In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch. Uh, and today we have a very special episode. Uh, you may have noticed that today is episode 200. And so instead of just having me and Matt on, because Matt's always here and I love Matt. Matt's great. Uh, he's fantastic. But we figured we would do something a little bit special. Uh, and so, folks, welcome back for episode 200 and Stickney. Hey! Oh my god, you said 543, and I almost jumped into the intro because I still have it memorized. And I was like, no wait, I'm not the co I'm not the host anymore. That that muscle memory, it never goes away. It never goes no, away. It does not. It does not. Uh, but you guys at home have been asking about how Anne's been doing, where Anne's been, if we were ever gonna have Anne back on the show, and I've been sitting on this for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm happy to say, yes, we were planning this for a while. <laughs> yeah, you guys have no idea. We've just been like waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> and so today we're gonna I'm so, I'm so excited. It's episode two hundred of my yeah. baby. You guys oh, have God. done such a phenomenal job. With the show, I couldn't be like more proud and more happy that it's it, it's still going and it's still going strong. And I absolutely love what you guys have been doing with it. I that, feel like I should say that just like right <laughs> off the bat. That makes me feel very very happy. Thank you so much for that, Anne. Uh, I and I mean I think I speak for everybody when I say that we're we are happy that we get to do this. Uh, and I know that our listeners are happy that we get to do this as well. Um, and I think thought today we would do a little bit different than just talk about lore in, in Blizzard games, because honestly, the lore of Anne Stickney is a thing now. Um, and, we'd and I like was going to say, I am totally limited about the lore I can talk yeah. about now, guys, because I'm an employee. <laughs> if you miss that, I'm working for Blizzard now. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I thought maybe we could start with just reminiscing about how this all started way, 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 way back when. And I know that you and Matt had been talking about doing something like this before you and I started talking about this. So, like, the, Lore Watch was like this hush thing way back when, wasn't it? Lore Watch was something that I wanted to do, like, oh my gosh, for years, honestly. When we started up Blizzard Watch, there were a couple of things that I wanted to do. One of them was doing, like, lore tours of Azeroth. Mm-hmm like streaming lore tours and i never got to do that um probably because i'm just like terrible with like recording things and streaming <laughs> in general <laughs> but the other thing that i wanted to do was i wanted to do a lore focused podcast however you know we had the blizzard watch podcast and it was going fine and we talked lore on that show so it, it didn't seem like it was really necessary you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then the farther along we, we got every time we got diverted into one of those lore conversations i was like this should just be its own show it should just be its own show so 
I, and I don't remember where that spark originally came in. I think I think I want to say one of the heads over at Blizzard Watch was like looking for new content, stretch goal. Yeah, just like new stuff, new stuff for um, new new things to just kind of draw people in, and new stuff for like um, new rewards for people that were patrons on Patreon. Um, and we figured, well, if we do another podcast, if we do just a lore centric podcast, because people had been asking for it too. Mm-hmm. Every time we went on these lore tangents, it was like we'd get we'd get two types of people, right? We get the people who are like, "Would you just shut up and talk about the news?" And then we get the people who are like, "Can you make this podcast like three hours long because we just want to listen to you guys talk about lore?" Um, and it seemed like, well, okay, let's let's make a podcast for those people who really want to like hear about it, and we'll go ahead and we'll offer it early to patrons so that they get a nice little reward thing, and we'll go ahead and we'll do it you know bi-weekly and see how that goes and it took off i was so happy i remember way back it was before blizzard watch launched and it was that weird in between time between sites and i had gotten pulled onto the starting zone with mick montgomery as a guest and oh man i love that show and specifically now mick isn't no longer doing that he's over at riot now um, yeah now I remember because I was specifically pulled on because he wanted somebody who knew lore. uh, And I forgot, like, you weren't available. Matt wasn't available. Or, like, you guys had already done a show and he wanted to do something else. But I hadn't officially, like, joined the lore core. Have I been on the starting zone? I think you were. I think you maybe. I don't remember. It was a while ago. I'm an old man. You are. We are all old at this point. Uh, But we started talking about, and I want to say it was, like, cataclysm stuff or whatever. And you and happened to pop up in the audience. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and then you and I just started going back and forth with you in the audience and me responding to you on the recording. And Mick was eventually just like, why don't we just pull Ann on? And then he pulled you into the call. And then you and I just basically talked and didn't let anybody else of the podcast talk for like two hours because we were just going back and forth on crackpot theories about lore. And at the end of it, like, I remember Mick saying, why do you guys just do this? <laughs> Yeah, I was, and I felt so bad too because I was like, "Sorry, I hijacked your podcast, guys." They were like, "No, no, no, no!" <laughs> uh, but I, I will not, I will never forget that because it was just so, so random. And I remember that's how you and I started talking about it. Like, hey, you know, this is something that you know we'd like to do. And it was before Blizzard Watch launched, and then Blizzard Watch launched, and it wasn't until I think it was Dan that really, really started to like say, Hey, we want to do this. Um, Yeah. I want to say it was Dan. And, and when he said, let's do this, I knew that I wanted a third person Mm -hmm. and you were my immediate. I was like, let's get Joe. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) I remember the day you asked me, I was so excited. Like I, I legitimately like you've ever seen those cartoons or, or like shows where like the the person's trying to like silently scream and dance around and all this stuff. That was totally me because that's something I always wanted to do because like I didn't get to do the tinfoil hat stuff like you guys did because I just didn't have time to really devote myself to, to writing pieces like that. Um, and so being able to do the podcast where I could set aside that time every week with you was like a dream come true because I had always adored both of you as friends. Um, you know, Matt and Aww. I, Matt and I talking about Shaman way back in the, in the day, especially when I got told that I was the worst thing ever to happen to Shaman and Matt said, congratulations. Um, and yeah, like, hey, <laughs> you took my throne. Means you made it. <laughs> well, you know, previously I had been the worst yep. thing to ever happen to Shaman. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. Honestly, I think you're kind of both missing out though on a key catalyst to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Maticus. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, it was, specifically, yeah. yeah. Specifically, driving Maticus insane. Late night. <laughs> yeah, late night, like 2 o'clock in the morning. For some reason, Ian and I don't sleep. No. Uh, it's, it's a problem. So the two of us would just... I, I, we had first I sleep had this now, work. actually. This has changed. When yeah, I the medication? Of, no, no. Working for Blizzard. Oh. All of a sudden, I sleep now. It's very strange. For me, the medication has actually been making me sleep more. But that- uh, I, I remember like the first few months you worked at the previous site, we didn't talk. Like, we had yeah. not spoken at all. And then some night on, on Slack, you were there. You said hello to me because I'm very bad at saying hello to people. And I said something like, I read your thing about Alune. And then three hours went by. <laughs> yeah, because we what... were just talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And and Maticus was like, what just happened? 
he pipes up like he says nothing, nothing while all of this is going on, and then he and then he pipes up the end and he says, "This is, was like watching a Chinese ping pong match." Yep, because it was so fast and so back and forth and just like expertly done, and I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly feel like that's kind of like the the first little inkling of the fact that we could do that kind of thing. And that's what led to eventually the two of us becoming hosts on the podcast because everybody else had kind of like left and like I ended up – I don't know how I became a host on the podcast in the first place. And I don't know how you got there either. Um, I just remember we suddenly it was just the two of us doing the podcast and we were like, what do we do? Uh, Let's I guess see. We- it was – I, I came on, it was you and McCurley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Matt before that, Matthew Ogre. It was me, Sacco, and McCurley. Then it was just me and McCurley. And then it was you brought in to be the third. And then yeah, McCurley I was brought left. in, and then McCurley left. And then it was just you and me. And then I think Alex was with us for a little while. And then Adam for a little uh, bit after that, I think. And right? Ad- no, Adam wasn't there. I thought Adam was at no. one point. No, he, he might have showed up for one episode. Yeah, most of the wasn't. time he was like listening in, but he he didn't really say anything. No, I, um, Adam's biggest contribution to the podcast was the day his apartment burned down. Oh God! <laughs> so we had to like we had um, to stop recording because he was the one that was doing all oh, the recording that's right. and stuff. Oh, yeah, and his apartment like burned down live. Well, not live, because he had to go offline, obviously, and get the heck out of his apartment. But yeah, wow. that was the thing that happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just remember the like, Maticus in the in the chats and us being like, you know, we, we didn't even realize he was there. Yeah, because like, we he was just... so quiet. He was just quiet. Yeah, and, and honestly, I wouldn't have even like started writing for the site if it wasn't for Maticus either. Like, I wouldn't have even ever been a part of the equation except uh, Matt. I remember it was it was two thousand eight. I want to say was just like yelling at me to apply. Like, yeah, he was like, "You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this." Because I was writing for World of Maticus at the time, uh, and he's like, "Everybody, you get along with everybody. Just just apply. Just apply. Just apply." And I remember being originally so intimidated by like everybody. Uh, not for any particular reason, but because like I was like, here I am, like I'm. I don't think I'm as like good as some of these people. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like everybody was just warm and inviting. And I remember uh, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. You guys in particular were always the standout nice ones. <laughs> uh, Matt, 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 Matt will Matt will definitely balk at this because I'm not nice, but you were super, super nice, and we would always talk about random things. And we originally started talking about in I think it was Slack um, and work chat about like tabletop and stuff like that as well. Um, but like you guys were always super nice and super inviting. And like Anne in particular, you were the one that made me feel comfortable just being me around everybody. Um, Aww. And in particular, I remember the one BlizzCon you and I did meet, and we were very, very uh, tipsy. I think would be the best way to put it. Um, but like, just oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you guys think Anne giggles a lot in recordings. <laughs> Um, it was, it was yeah. a whole night of giggling. <laughs> yeah. But like, it was just, it was just finally cementing, like in those moments it was like, yeah, these are, these are my friends. These are my family. I am super happy to participate and be a part of this. Uh, it was for me, 200 episodes. Uh, it, the only thing that's been missing for me is you, <laughs> uh, Aww. because I miss bouncing random ideas out there and then just like, cause that used to be my role, right? I was just this, I would just throw something out there and just like, listen to you two, like just go to town. Like, <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't think that you're, I think you do fine with that sort of thing. I just think that one of the reasons that I miss Anne is because not only was this basically your baby, you know, from the beginning, this was the thing that you fought for and you got into, into existence. I didn't exactly fight for it. Once nah. I mentioned it, they were like, "Yes, please do it." <laughs> but, yeah, you you're the one that made it, it one way or another. Yeah, but also because one of the things that I that concerns me from time to time is the fact that Joe and I, even though I've I've made some discoveries about myself recently, uh, Joe and I both are very male presenting, and I do I do miss having you around because it gave a nice balance to everything. It made it it. Not only are you like more knowledgeable about the stuff than I am, and I'll freely admit that you are you are better than I am at remembering it and keeping it all in your head. Uh, I'm a human encyclopedia. She really also, is, folks. You 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 have a really a good facility for coming up with like a 
a novel take on a character that other people don't really get. I think you and I were the. F- I remember when we talked about Garage was the first time that I uh, that I thought yes that this is the thing that I that people don't get about him. Yeah. The the concept of you know th- this is this guy was actually raised by orcs. He he actually lived among orcs. He didn't. It's not like Thrall who didn't. Thrall has you know Thrall's idea of what orcs are like is you know being told all his life they were terrible and then meeting some and they were like no actually we're okay. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have any experience of growing up in the culture, and Garrosh did. And I remember us talking about that, and you, you making that point, and it was a really good point. Uh, so I miss that kind of thing, the, the groundedness you brought to it. Um, but everyone thinks you're just the, the crazy, you know, tinfoil hat lady, and, and absolutely you do amazing at that. But all of your tinfoil hats always came from that groundedness. They came That's... from that knowledge that you had of the, the lore and the story, so... I yeah. do miss having that around. And and I think that's like, that's part of making a good tinfoil hat is the thing is, is like, you can't just make up a crazy theory. You have to make up something that, that fits within the context of everything that's come before. Like when I went out there and, and wrote that column, the one, the one that set it all off, the one the that was, one, yeah. <laughs> Luna's an Aru. <laughs> when I, when I, when I, originally wrote that column i did all of my research and the thing that really sealed it for me that like super sealed it for me and made this thing really convincing was that old illustration of a loon that i think metzen did way back when and her crown her crown looked like naru architecture and that was probably just a coincidence because obviously there are other people that do like level design and all of this other stuff. So again, probably a sheer coincidence, but I looked at that and I went, aha, there is my hook. And, and that's what that, you know, you have to find those little hook moments where it's like, okay, this is where it makes sense. And there are people out there, obviously, I mean, you guys are doing your kind of contributions to the whole lore theory thing. There's also other people out there that are doing uh, Taliesin and Evatel. I really like listening to them because they pull some crazy things out of their butts too, which is fantastic. Um, I like I like the curiosity. I guess is is how I would put it. Um, I, I like I like listening to people pull things apart, and I like the fact. Well, I can't say I can't take credit for it, right? I can't take credit for it. But at at the same time, when I started doing those tinfoil hats, I think I was the first person who was really doing those on a larger scale. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you absolutely were. Like before, before you started doing them, that wasn't a thing that existed in the. the and closest I really I think anyone got uh, was a couple of things Alex wrote. And they weren't even close. And, you know, they had, like, forum threads from people where they were speculating on things and whatnot. But there wasn't, like, a big thing. And I I, I just, like I said, I don't like taking credit for it or anything like that. But I just, I, I, it brings me so much joy to see people exuding that curiosity still. Because that's part of the reason I was doing it was so that people would look at the lore and ask questions and kind of dig things apart and and see what the fascinating parts of this story were. And I feel like that's fading a little bit, which makes me a little sad. A lot of people are really quick to call retcon when it's yeah. not a retcon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, <laughs> I have, I have, we've I've had, gone oh, off yeah. on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the things that really, really irritates me is that first off people use retcon now to not mean what it used to mean. Right. A retcon literally was just retroactive continuity. It didn't have to be a contradiction or a change. It was just, okay, we'd never heard what life on Krypton was like before. Now we do. So now we know stuff about Krypton we didn't know before. But they, you know, that's, a, that's retroactive in that it's being done now and not in the past when they first debuted it. That's not how people use it now. People use retcon to mean, oh, they changed the story. And there's like one big retcon in World of Warcraft. One. The Draenei. Yeah, the Draenei. That's yeah, it. That's it. The whole, the whole and bit And you know where... what? The only reason that I would call that a retcon is because Metzen came out and said that it was a retcon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on stage said, in yeah, front of a whole I, bunch of people. I, I made a mistake. I forgot. I'm the one that wrote the, the original lore and I forgot it. That's mm-hmm. my bad. And that's, you know, that's a retcon. Okay. But every other time I've seen it used, especially... I'm just going to be upfront with this. The World of Warcraft community got really bad about this. They got really aggressive about, you know, oh, that's a retcon. It's like, no, it's not. No, nowhere did it ever say that this wasn't the case. You've got to start looking at 
you can't just trust the narrator. Like, you know, when you get a source of information, you have to ask yourself, what is the source of information? If it's from a book you found in Stormwind Keep, who wrote it? Yeah, and you know what we're yeah. seeing, and, and I think people are and, and players maybe starting to see some of that now too, uh, because I think it's a little more on the nose than it ever has. Like, especially with like the releases of like Chronicle and the Grimoire and, and things like that. Like I still haven't gotten my copy of that Grimoire. Neither have we. Um, I'm waiting for it. So are we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things where like you start to actually appreciate or understand that the narration, the narrative point of view that the story is presented f- from matters a lot. And like here on the show, Matt's talked about this a lot and I, and I want to give him credit for it. It's how much information have we been given from the Titanic point of view? Is it accurate? Is it a hundred percent? Is it the full picture? And, you know, and we've been talking about that for, for years and years and years and years. You have to ask not just what are you being told, but who's telling you it and how much do they know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how involved are they in what's going on? I, I remember, and I don't, you know, again, not going to be talking about current lore, but I remember Anne and I talking long and hard about Odin's eye. Yeah. And what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, we freaking came real close to being right, considering. We totally uh, did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, straight up. I mean, I was saying the whole time, there's this is fishy, there's something going on here. And people are like, oh, this is a retcon. It's like, that. that's it's not, not a, a retcon. retcon. That was from the moment Odin appeared, that was right there. Yeah. They, they were upfront about this. This is how the Valkyr happened. This is what, you know, this is where he got the information. Uh, it just it is one of those things it is one of those things weird. about odin's story the, the story of odin and helia i guess i should say yeah yeah absolutely that's that's one of those things that that i like about that well it's kind of infuriating about that story but i like about that story is that they each have their own definition of what happened yeah mm-hmm. and you don't know which one you should believe because one of them one of them is a godlike figure who would like to keep his reputation intact, and the other one is obviously, you know, she's evil, evil lady, evil tentacle lady. But at the same time, was she always? And did she have a point way back when? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, so there's like it's it's, a, it's like there's two sides to it, and um, one of the things that we tried to do was we tried to kind of present that a little bit with um the campaign stuff that came out. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed or not, but um, the message that she gives to Odin. Uh, we, I think I just recently did that because I've been kind of slow on going through the campaign stuff, but yeah. Well, the message she gives to Odin, she's like, keep sending, keep sending your Valkyr, I'll twist it, twist them as you twisted mm-hmm. me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel and like that was in there because she needs to needle him about that. But also, <laughs> but also that makes perfect sense though, because of what we know, right? Like we know, yeah. we know that it was against her will, that what was done to her wasn't her choice. It was just kind of like, okay, well, this is going to happen to you now. And then Odin did his thing. So it makes perfect well, sense. But the thing is, is Odin himself, Odin himself argues that he did it because he had, didn't have a choice that she would have just been dead, that she started it and couldn't handle it. And then he had to complete it and save her by making her a Valkyrie. That's his argument. Sure. He tells you that because this yeah. is the thing about having been his Pokemon for an entire expansion. <laughs> <laughs> the guy wouldn't shut up. So in between summoning me to punch things for him, uh, he would, you know, there's stuff all over the, the warrior hall. That's like, you know, the story of the, the, of the war swords of the Valor jar, you know? And, and I was, I remember being really struck by the fact that like Odin's version of the story, like, it reads like somebody's PR firm wrote it. All hail the conquering hero god. Yeah, yep. and it's yep. it is fascinating. Um, one of the things that I remember coming up with later on was looking at the idea that Odin's defining characteristic when you see him is his huge flaming beard. Yeah, which is the result of him being dumb and getting so close to Ragnaros that Ragnaros grabbed his face and melted it. So it's not a real beard. It's no, the it's result just, it's of just, him. It's like him. It's it's him basically being too stupid to know. Don't get close to the guy who is made of fire. He's literally made of fire. He is just fire. There's nothing under there to hit. It's just fire. And he ran up and got his face melted off. And I feel like that's you know when you said you know we don't know who to trust. I honestly think straight up. We know who to trust in terms of this. If two, if Odin and Helia are both telling you a story, Helia's will probably be more accurate because Helia likes to hurt you with things that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And Odin 
will That's always be covering really his good own point. butt. Yeah. So I tend to veer on the side of Helia. It doesn't mean I like her or trust her. I just feel like if Helia is telling me something, it probably yeah, is she, true. Or at least it's true enough to true her. Enough. Yep. Yeah, but I—that's we. This is exactly the kind of thing we used to do all the time. Yeah, you know, this is where this site actually, the, the show actually came from. Was this thing we're doing right now that we probably got to watch, or otherwise it'll be like four o'clock and we'll still be doing it. I'm on top um, of it. Don't worry. But yeah, uh, so you you had mentioned before, and I, I wanted to actually talk about it now that we're actually on the air. What can you tell us about the historian gig? Because that's something oh. I've been curious about my whole life. Oh man. Okay. So, um, I, I did not know the depth that the historian team goes to. Cause like, I mean, when you hear about it, when you hear about the, the, okay, first off, I should say I was brought in as temporary because one of the people, there are three historians, there's, um, Sean Copeland and there's Maddie and there's Justin and Justin had gone to, the World of Warcraft team temporarily to help them out. So they needed somebody to fill that spot. That's why I was called in on like a temporary thing was to like help out. Um, Justin was, Justin is not was <laughs> it's like Justin passed away. He did not. Uh, Justin's the World of Warcraft expert. Um, everybody, everybody there, all three historians, they know the different franchises, but everybody's kind of got their expert thing. Mm-hmm. And Justin's was World of Warcraft, so they brought me in because you no, know, my World of Warcraft. Um, and Maybe just I figured, a bit. well, yeah. And I didn't really know exactly what it entailed, other than you know, obviously there was going to be fact checking involved in that kind of thing. But I didn't know if there was going to be writing or if there was going to be like, like what exactly was going to be involved. And I got there and um, was immediately just tossed into the deep end of here is everything you ever wanted to know about World of Warcraft lore. <laughs> and, and my first two days were spent absorbing, <laughs> right? Like a sponge. But, um, the truth of the matter is when you think of the historians, it's like you think of these people who are fact checkers or whatnot. And that's part of it, but that's only like the smallest part of it. The, the historian team, they don't do any writing. It's not. I, I, actually, I shouldn't say that because obviously Sean wrote the grimoire. Mm-hmm. I should say they don't do any writing for the video game. Okay. Um, that's, that's like a different team, different department, different everything. What the historian team is there for, they're a resource and they are there to know the ins and outs of every franchise at Blizzard. So it's not just World of Warcraft. It's World of Warcraft. It's Overwatch. It's Heroes of the Storm. It's Hearthstone. It's Diablo. It's like all of them all at once. And you get questions from all of these teams all day long about various things that happened in lore. Or they need to know who was there when something happened. Or were these people actually like doing this thing? Or was that just a rumor that somebody else had said somewhere? Because <laughs> they couldn't remember. And it's up to you to go research. Do all the research for it. So basically, um, a little bit like digging through Wowpedia all day. Except obviously it's not Wowpedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a little, like, it's a little more definitive. Yeah, it's a little more <laughs> definitive than that. You're like, digging, although, don't get me wrong. I do love my Wowpedia. But like this is, this is going through the actual like records, records of everything. And um, checking, checking on things. And then the other thing is when there are um, books that come through or story, short stories, comics, uh, any kind of lore text for the site, anything that involves lore to any degree, it goes through to the historian team first and they check it for accuracy. Um, and then if it's not accurate, it gets sent back until it's made accurate. <laughs> So it's it's almost like it's almost like for for those uh, everybody that's listening it's like more in the tech industry or things like that it's almost like mm-hmm. code revision review right so like you, yeah. you you basically somebody goes and writes something gives it back to have it reviewed make sure it's accurate and then you you either say yes or no and then it if it's no it's go back and they they make the adjustments and mm-hmm. then it's a constant process essentially from what it sounds like until mm-hmm. you say yes this is good go forth yeah and then the other thing is that these authors that are writing these things. If they have questions while they are writing or if they need like something for reference, we'll write up reference guides um, for like various lore things. Uh, like 
if they need to know something about like a particular faction or some or, or or a group or organization, we'll write up the history of that organization and send it off to them so they have it for reference. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And and on top of all of that, you know, obviously there's an internal database where we're maintaining all of this stuff. So that we have things to go look up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's up to the historian team to keep that up to date too. So it's a constant. It's a constant everything. It is a constant push of everything. And while I was there, yes, I did answer like World of Warcraft questions and stuff like that. That's what I was primarily on. But I also like I got to work with the Overwatch team on stuff. I got to like talk to the Hearthstone team about some things. It was it was a really 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 good time. Um, and I found it like absolutely mind-blowing the amount of stuff that they deal with on a daily basis (laughs) and i understood within the first week why it's so hard to describe what a historian does because it's literally it's like a little bit of everything so they're like the jack of all trades when it comes to like Mm -hmm. sort of like story and 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 content like they they kind of have to know a little yeah, you have to you have to kind of know a little bit of everything. And in like in Sean's case, Sean was I think he was World of Warcraft at first, and then they switched switched him and they said, "Okay, your specialty is going to be StarCraft now." So he had to learn all the StarCraft stuff, and then they're like, "Okay, your specialty is going to be Diablo now." So he had to learn all the Diablo stuff, right? And they and they try to do that. They try to mix it up so that everybody is capable of answering things. Because you know, if you have your one your one World of Warcraft expert go go on vacation, what's yeah. going to happen while they're gone? Well, no, everybody else is still capable of answering it. They might not have all of the nuance, but they still know what they're doing and they know where to find everything. And that's that's I think like the biggest part of it is it's not just knowing all of the information; it's knowing how to find that information and where to look. That makes a whole lot of sense. Now you were there. Kind of like being while. an internal librarian. Almost, <laughs> it's weird. Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. So that was where you were on a temporary basis. How did you go from temp to perm? Oh, okay. So Justin was, like I said, Justin was working for the World of Warcraft team. Um, and when he was done working for the World of Warcraft team, they still needed somebody over there. So um, basically, the newser grabbed me. <laughs> And said, okay, you're going to be on my team for a while. <laughs> and again, it was supposed to be like a temporary assignment, but uh, it was a temporary assignment as an associate narrative designer. Um, and narrative design is a very different different thing. Yeah. So uh, can you talk a little bit about what that job entails? Or is that something that you can't really go too far into because of the uh, the nature of it? I can go into it a bit. Um, it Okay. Before I go into that, though, I, I need to say, like... The people that all like, you know how people all point at one person and go, "That's the person that writes World of Warcraft lore." That can't yes. be. That can't be even remotely okay, close not, to accurate. Yeah. No, that's not accurate at all. Because the thing is, is it's like everybody writes World of Warcraft lore. <laughs> so what you're saying is, for those that are at home, it's not just one person that comes up with the story, huh? No. It's almost like there's whole teams involved. Man, whole never would have thought involved. that. Yeah, no, there's like so <laughs> many people involved when it comes to making the story happen. I'm gonna um, just really fast. Uh, this means that if you're about to blame someone for something you don't like, stop it. Yeah. Okay. We're, 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 uh, go ahead. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. And I should say for the record that all of those people that sit there and point at Christy Golden and like say that she write, she's not on the team, you guys. She's on a different team entirely. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't write the video game. Okay. Leave her alone. Please leave her alone. <laughs> she's a beautiful, wonderful human being who does beautiful, wonderful work and <laughs> totally does not deserve high, like anywhere near the crap that she's gotten. Can I say crap? I yep, don't know. Absolutely. Anyway, That's within yeah, the PG-13 realm. We're good. Yeah, she's not she's not on the World of Warcraft team. She's on like her own she's off on doing something else. She's a writer. She's she a writer. A, yeah, she's a writer. She writes she writes I was gonna say she's not she's not in charge of where the story goes inside of the game. So no, people can and she's not limited to one franchise either. I mean she wrote that Overwatch short story, the Heck, one that won the, the award. The yeah. first the first book I ever I have a signed book from her uh for StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't write like the video game she just writes like the stuff that goes along with it occasionally like cinematics she'll write cinematic dialogue i think um and that's beautiful and wonderful and i love that she does that but 
she doesn't dictate the direction of where cinematic goes or anything like that. She's writing dialogue. She's writing she's writing beautiful words. So cut her some slack and leave her alone, you guys. Jeez. Um anyway. But, yeah, because so getting back to the the actual narrative design stuff that so getting whole, back to the whole, narrative design thing. Whole teams. Okay. Whole teams. Whole teams. So there's whole teams. And everybody's got a part in the story. Because the thing is, is the story isn't just the dialogue. And the story isn't just um the fights that you get into or that kind of thing, right? It's everything that goes into the game, even the things that you don't think about. Stuff like music. The music mm-hmm. helps propel the story. The level that you're on, like like what what your scenery, the stuff that's around you, it helps propel and tell that story. Everything everything helps propel and tell that story isn't there isn't there an element of that too like people i don't think they consider this and i know we used to talk about this back in uh, all the time but also like items and and flavor text and stuff like that that's put onto things also helps propel that right rewards rewards stuff that you get like all those little lore books and things that you find that kind of stuff it all helps propel and tell that story what narrative design does is narrative design keeps in touch with all of these different teams and make sure that everybody's on the same page and everything is running smoothly so that the story that's being told is a cohesive one that makes sense Mm -hmm. so that we don't have one person writing a chapter about i don't know flaming squirrels on one end of the thing and there's another person over here that's like doing doing um character design that includes squirrels that are made of ice Although obviously now I want those, squirrels that are made of ice. Thanks, Anne. Well, obviously those two things. Obviously those two things they don't go together. So, so like somebody should be calling attention to that yeah. and going, "Hey, these two things don't make sense. We need to like, we need to come together and and figure out how to make this work and you know compromise because sometimes people really want flaming squirrels and sometimes people really want squirrels made of ice. So maybe we need to come together and make ground squirrels. What exactly is steam damage? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Inside baseball for everybody. Uh, oh, don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you, but um, I know if you bring up that question, you'll yeah, make a lot I, I of know. people very annoyed. <laughs> My friend Kim used to be like, don't ever mention steam damage. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, what narrative design does is it's like it... it, it... <sighs> It provides kind of like the roadmap that everybody needs to follow mm-hmm. and helps make sure that everybody stays on that path so that the story that's coming out is, is a cohesive one that fits together. And you don't have you don't have one character acting six different ways, depending on what zone you're in. So it's almost like part a, of the quest you're on, you know what I mean? So it's almost like a project development map. So like that, they're, they're almost in charge Kinda. of just like laying out like here are the beats that we, we need to make sure that we get to. Here are the things that yeah. need to stay within the, these bubbles. Like, yeah. and, okay, that makes a lot of sense actually. And then within that umbrella, obviously everybody else is free to tell the stories that they want to tell. So you've got like the quest designers that are writing stuff. You've got other people that are writing stuff. Everybody's making suggestions about how things could progress and that kind of thing. It's really, it is a team effort. It's absolutely a team effort. And that's um, that's good to hear because I always thought, it always felt like it was more of a, a large scale collaborative effort than it was like individual teams like just being siloed off and kind of like left to their own devices so it seemed it always felt to me like there were many voices that would be able to say hey why don't we do this or kind of like bounce off each other is that is that fairly accurate then it's pretty accurate yeah the thing is is like if you siloed everybody off and said okay you get to write this particular level or this particular zone or whatever and then you go to somebody else and you say, okay, you get to write this zone and you don't like pay attention to them. Those people could be using like, I don't know, name a character from World of Warcraft. They could be using Ragnaros, right? Sure. And, and in one area, you've got Ragnaros and they're like, we're going to redeem Ragnaros and we're going to make him a really honorable person. And in the other area, they're like, no, Ragnaros is the worst thing in the world. And also we're going to kill him in our zone. <laughs> And it's like, these two things do not fit at all. But because, you know, person A wasn't talking to person B, now what do we do? You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing you want to avoid, especially when you're writing something as massive as World of Warcraft. One person could not write everything in World of Warcraft. That is like an impossible task. Yeah, and and I think that's sort of like, um, I don't want to say the mindset of a lot of people, but I think that maybe that played into it because everybody always thought that like, 
you know, we'll just say Metzen or whatever, when he was way back during the original birth of WoW, like he was the one that was controlling it. And then as things got bigger, that he was still controlling. And maybe some of that is true, but it's like, I mean, he had the creative direction. So he was the one who was saying, here's where the story laid out. Here's where the major beats are going to be. Here's what you need to follow. And then, you know, if people were going to make anything that might change that or affect that, they had to run it, you know, I'm, and this is all me making assumptions but because it, I wasn't, obviously I wasn't there during his time period, but, but I'm assuming that that's how it worked. But even then it's more, it's more the thing that there were still teams doing exactly this, even yeah. though it was still going back to somebody, even if it was somebody making sure that it fit the roadmap, it's still multiple people working on it. It wasn't just one person doing all of the work for everything is what it, Yeah. Metzen was not writing every line of dialogue in World of Warcraft, you guys. Metzen was working on all kinds of stuff, including like he was obviously working on Overwatch. He was working on... <laughs> like he was working on different franchises it wasn't just world of warcraft that mm-hmm, he was working mm-hmm. on um he was kind of overseeing it all big man on the throne but you know what i mean yeah. it, it, it's like it's like people assume that it's just one person at a typewriter that's writing all of these lines and lines and lines of dialogue oh and i forgot about the other cool thing that narrative designers get to do oh what's that voiceover okay. oh okay yeah i think you and i have talked about this a little bit only a little bit yeah. only a little bit just because i was very excited about getting to a be able to do it so voiceover is one of those things that you kind of have to treat with kid gloves because if you don't do it right you end up with you end up with okay we'll go back to ragnaros right You'll, you'll end up with Ragnaros, who sounds one way in one zone. Obviously, he sounds really friendly because you're trying to make him like this redeemable character or whatever. But then in the other zone, he sounds like super angry evil villain. And those two things just don't mesh, mesh together very well. So you guys get to be that that gets to be in charge of making sure that the tone remains the same. It's kind of like that. Yeah, we okay. sit in on sit in on the voice sessions and um obviously we have our beautiful wonderful marvelous voice directors um andrea toyas she's the lead pretty much and she's i love working with her she's such a sweetheart um so obviously they are there to direct the actors and get you know get what we need out of the actors we're there specifically to tell them hey so in this particular scene this is what your character is doing and this is why they're doing it go <laughs> that's it um just to provide them context for for the line basically the the whole thing where an actor says what's my motivation you're there to supply it right we don't give them the motivation though because that's up to them to come up yeah, with and that's up to the you give the framework you give the framework, we give the say, framework this and we is what say, you will be doing in this scene you are when... standing in a field and you are hammering something into the ground so take with that what you will and they will take that and go okay i must be grunting <laughs> and that kind of thing <laughs> Um, but we also help select the lines that get chosen to go into the game um, so that they're cohesive, so that it all sounds like it's coming from the same person. So you don't get a rag and roast that sounds really friendly at one moment and really angry at the next. You know what I mean? So it sounds like a, uh, like a lot of like um, almost curation activities is really what it sounds like. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love that part. It's it's obviously it doesn't happen very often um, because usually, you know, you're doing like a patch or whatever and there's only so many lines that you need to record. So there's like, you know, a series of weeks or whatever where you're doing the voice sessions and you're sitting in and helping out. And honestly, it's just like this really joyful thing. It is so cool listening to voice actors doing what they do best. Um, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know what I, I will agree with that though like I, not not to yeah. veer off but like so i had the the wonderful privilege at one point of running a Shadowrun game for uh the voice actress sissy jones um oh yeah uh so it was absolutely fascinating to like listen to her like get into character and figure out who her voice was and then start going back and forth and it was absolutely phenomenal and you know like any you guys know this and some of you if you don't listen to our our weekly dean or our monthly dnd stuff um i do voices for my characters i don't just you know say yeah use my normal voice and whatever and i remember the the other people in the game weren't voice actors because we had we had her on for an interview on on another podcast and heard that we were doing tabletop stuff and wanted to just she's like i've always wanted to do this can i do this i'm like yeah of course absolutely but like we started going back and forth back and forth back and forth and it was one of those things where like an hour had passed and like i was just 
floored with how easy and effortless like she moved into like her character and like found her voice and started doing it and i absolutely adore her and like i adore voice actors in general because i think that i think what they do is oftentimes underrated um they are so masterful at what they do they absolutely are one of my favorite it was like one of my first ones too um deborah wilson she does the voice for draka Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we pulled her in to do the voice work for um, the chapter with Thrall and Draka that um, I believe you guys have played through. I'm not sure the Covenant campaign one. We uh, yeah nope. we haven't we, I don't think we haven't we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show. But yeah, okay. it's, it, we I think we're the week past that or two weeks past that. Okay, so. okay. So yeah, um, we brought her in to do the lines for that, and she. Well, okay, we brought her in to do the lines for that, and then she also had a couple other characters that she did lines for. Um, but listening to her get into character and listening to her do the dialogue, like, she was just Draka. It, we were talking to Draka. She it's, never slipped out of character. That's and always fascinating. I love she that. She brought us all to tears. Like, we were cr- everybody was crying. Um, it was, it was, ugh, I still get goosebumps when I think about it. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, that was extraordinary. It was an extraordinary experience. It's not an experience I'm ever going to forget, man. I hope we get to work with her again because I love her, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like there were so many other voice actors and actresses that, that, that we worked with as well. And they were all, they were all just doing these really amazing things. And I don't know, first off, I don't know how they make their voices just change like that on such a visceral level secondly they're so good at acting you have to be so mm-hmm, much better at mm-hmm. acting when you're just using your voice nobody can see what you look like nobody can see the facial expressions you're making nobody can see any of that so it all has to be carried in your voice and these guys are so so talented it's just it and like i said you know the voice directors that we have andrea the others are so good at pulling these performances out of these the voice acting that we've had for this last patch for 9.1, if you have not been listening to the voice acting, you're, you're, you're like, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. You're losing like half of what's going on. (laughs) The other thing that I think it's important for people to listen to is the music in particular, because Mm -hmm. like the, the the music that's been done particularly for this patch is absolutely beautiful. Um, And to speak on that from just like my, my perspective as an outsider, I, mm -hmm. I never play with music on. I also rarely ever play with sound on. Uh, It's just kind of how my brain has always been sort of like with the game. Um, So like rating, anything like that. I just, I usually have everything off except for like my alerts, but with patch 9.1, I forgot what caused me to turn it on. I turned something on and it might've been just like, uh, audio between two characters and I wanted to really listen and I usually turn it back on for that but I had reset the music toggle so music was turned back on and I didn't realize it at first and then it just pulled me into the moment and then afterwards I realized oh I had music turned back on I wonder what else I've been missing and so I started like going through and redoing some things and in listening with uh everything turned on and you're absolutely right like the emotional impact of a lot of that stuff, the uh, the way that it draws people in, the immersion of it, it definitely is as reliant on the music as it is the voice actors because it, it plays to whatever they're doing. And it at least like in that moment you're talking about with like with Draka, it was masterfully done. Like that entire thing was mixed absolutely masterfully. Uh, well, you guys remember, I, I don't know if, you, if you'll remember this, but do you remember when when we went from Cataclysm to Warlords? And at the time, I think uh, we were talking in like in not Cataclysm to Worlds, sorry, Mists to Worlds. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when we when Mists came out, we had we were like, I think we were just going. I'm just going to say it. We were nerding out over the voice <laughs> actors. Yeah. Like oh, I remember. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we got to, to to Warlords, and the first thing I remember noticing about Warlords was the music they used in the trailer, mm-hmm. which is amazing. It is some incredible music, uh, but then it was like also the voice acting in Warlords, where where I I remember I think it was actually you, Anne, who said this. It was like they it's like they took what was improving in Mists, it was getting better in Mists, and they just dialed it up. Yeah, they really you know got it 
much stronger, much more centralized in the story. I think that's something people don't really understand. Like World of Warcraft has made such strides in. Like I think I've like in general the storytelling, the 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 way of the storytelling. You know, whatever you feel about the story, the storytelling has gotten stronger in every single expansion. Like four years now. I would Going agree. back to Mists, it's just gotten better every expansion in terms of the the varied ways of telling it, the visual ways, the the uh, audio ways, the, the the way you can be given story through like a in game cinematic that's like got your character in it now. There's just so many different ways that the narrative can be imparted to you. That was one of the coolest things that they did was when they were like. What was that, Legion? I think it was Legion when they first yeah. did it, where they were like, here's a cinematic. Oh, hey, your character's in it, by the way. And it was like, whoa! <laughs> I remember, I don't know if they did it before this, but I remember it for the Agrimar one. Yeah. I just remember because my character's walking across a field and I suddenly, think, yeah. I think that was like the first time that they did it, or at least that's the first time I noticed that they did it, because yeah. it was it was so like blatantly just like, boom, there's your character. Boom, you're looking up. Oh my god, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was so cool. I and I think a lot of this stuff combines really well. Uh, I wanted to talk about a specific character in Legion, actually, and I, I can never remember his name, unfortunately. But he's the the withered, semi-withered from. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you go to the you you Runus? go to huh? Runus. I think so. Yeah, the one who's who's like he his when he dies, he's like you know, at I least I, I I can't see you anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Runus. And just just such a combination of like well acted, well scripted, really effective. Because I not expect to care about that guy. I know. You know, right? when you first meet him, who cares about this guy? Whatever. Oh, and, but by the end of it, you're just yeah. like, oh my god, poor baby. <laughs> it's like, thank you, my friend, for letting me, you know, have a moment of of redemption, and then he dies, and you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> so. I think it, what you're talking about is very, very apt for the current game, and it's it's from it, it goes all the way from name characters to like people you didn't know who they were, like um, Zakhan, Zappy Boy, yeah. who I, you know, I I still don't like him. I refuse you don't to like, like him. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, it's Matt being Matt. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's well acted, <laughs> and you get a real sense in the few moments where you see him, you get a sense of what he represents. He represents. World of Warcraft horde players. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's the player who's like, wow, it's Sorfang. That's so cool. I'm going to go talk to him. And then Sorfang is like, honor is meaningless. All this much. And it's like, you know, they're like, dude, you're my hero. You gotta, you gotta buck up. We can't have this. And I thought that, you know, it's just one of those things where it comes together really well. Um, you guys, um, uh, hang on. I have to look it up real quick. I think. <laughs> oh, say, that takes me back. One sec. <laughs> For for those of you that are listening, uh, this is classic. Like this is yeah. this is one of those things where one of the three of us would always, oh, what is this thing? You two talk. I gotta go look this up. <laughs> yeah, it's practically a callback at this point. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I just had to make sure that it was actually out there so that I could talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I have to do that now. But um, if you look up uh, the Exploring Azeroth, the Kalimdor one that's coming out, mm -hmm. it's actually told it's Rexar and Zakan that are traveling across Kalimdor. So it's being told from Zakan's point of view. Which I think is absolutely brilliant, honestly. Yes. Yes. It's very good. <laughs> I like it very much. <laughs> uh, so we're getting close to the end of our time here, which is Aww. always sad. Um, but I guess we're let, let's do this. And it's been... 100% a pleasure to get to catch back up with you uh, and to talk with you and to hear your voice again um, outside of just D&D. &D. Uh, Are you going to give her a final thought? I, I was just going to say I could give her a final thought, um, but I'm going to do it this way. After over the course of all the time that you've uh, been away from us, we'll say, what is the one thing that you have done or encountered that has brought you the most joy so far? Oh, God. Um, there's so much, there's so, so, so much. Um, so when you're doing narrative design, you do get to write a little bit, um, because sometimes, sometimes the writers, sometimes the designers, they need support in areas and they're like, I don't know what to write here. Please write me a few lines. Um, I worked with one of the quest designers on the Thrall and Draka 
part of the quest chain and I got to write lines for Thrall and I got to write lines for Draka and that was like my moment of sheer bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see the smile. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. But I was so I was so so stoked that I got to write for those characters. And then um I can't I can't talk about it in detail, but next week and I think by the time this one comes out, it'll actually be out. Next week's chapter is one that I am very proud of and that I worked I worked on very closely with the quest designer and wrote a lot of the dialogue for. And um, I am so, so, so stoked for people to see it. <laughs> like, you don't even know, man. <laughs> I, I think we can we can imagine just a little bit. Uh, it's more banner characters that I'm like, oh my god, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to write these people. <laughs> but I think I, I, I don't know if I, I speak for, for everybody, but I'm pretty sure I speak for a good chunk of the people. Um, we definitely miss you and we miss having you here with us weekly, but we're happy to have you where you are because we know one, you're doing something that you love to do and you're getting to do something I know for a fact you've always wanted to do. Oh man, <laughs> I, yeah, this, this, this job was, you know, I've been applying to Blizzard for years and years and years and years and years, right? Mm -hmm. And for the longest time they didn't have narrative designers like it wasn't that wasn't a position that they had and i feel like i feel like fate was just waiting for that position to open up because that was what i needed to be doing it wasn't it wasn't like the other stuff that i was applying for it was this one particular thing and the only reason i hadn't gotten hired by blizzard was because the position didn't exist yet <laughs> But I, I am loving everything that I am doing and I am putting my whole heart into all of it. And um, honestly, everybody on the team is. It's I've never seen, I've never met so many people who are so stoked to be doing what they're doing and, and making these incredible games for people and making making them as, as like cool and dynamic. Why did I say dynamic? That's such a terrible word, but cool <laughs> and and touching and maybe sometimes infuriating but hopefully entertaining you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> we we're, we're trying to make things that people care about and i i like to think that we're succeeding um i hope that we're succeeding because this is this is what we love to do this is what we absolutely love to do um and i i really i miss you guys so much but I love where I am so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I think they, I think we understand that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, before I go into the outro, and and I'll let Matt say anything he wants to say, obviously. But um, from me to you, Anne, you know, I adore you. I'm very happy that you're you're happy and and doing something you love. I'm glad that we still get to have you occasionally, um, and I like watching your journey as. Yeah. It's just it brings me joy and warms my heart to watch you succeed is really it's what it boils so down to. Crazy. Every day I'm learning something else. Uh, I, I have I have yet to stop learning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> no, it's a wonderful, magical thing. And I absolutely love it. It's like I, th there's no way I'm ever going to get bored here. <laughs> uh, but I guess I'll kick it over to Matt. Anything else you want to say to Anne before we, uh, we we call it a day? Well, I said I was let's say back in 2010, maybe 2010. I don't remember when you got hired. I'm sorry. Uh, but I've been saying for years that they should have hired you. Oh, uh, you remember that? Cause I used to say yeah. it to you in Slack. Um, so yeah, this was a good move on their part. They finally <laughs> recognized that they should hire you. Uh, I'm glad you got to do it because yeah, no, I've never met anybody who knew as much about that game as you. I never knew anybody that cared so much about narrative that, that as, as you do as, as far as like even, Stories are the coolest yeah, thing, you guys. <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, but any parting thoughts for us or your listeners, Anne? I miss you guys. Oh, my gosh. I, I really do. And it's been so cool to just get to hang out with you guys for an hour. Yeah. I know we do D&D &D every now and again, but it was cool just hanging out with, like, the two of you. And, you know, maybe diverging a little bit on the subject of Odin, but I like Odin. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I like talking about Odin. I don't like Odin, but I like talking about Odin. <laughs> no, trust me, he is like much worse than Ash Ketchum. Oh yeah, he's terrible. He is you don't absolutely want awful. to be Odin's Pokemon. Seriously, no, you don't. You Pikachu, don't. Pikachu's got nothing on me. That guy sent me off to do the worst things. <laughs> And he doesn't uh, even give you a cool Pokeball. No, <laughs> no, no. He does make me fight dragons, though, to to ride them. That's just... <laughs> Please go uh, punch this dragon in the face. Oh, I love it. Uh, but, Anne, thank you so, so much for joining us for episode 200. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your week. Um, I look forward to everything that you're going to produce in the future. Uh, and I'm excited to see uh, what bears the very obvious marks of one wonderful Anne Stickney. Um, if it makes you cry, I probably had a hand in it. I yeah, know, that's, usually, that's usually my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but folks, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, does it feel you. weird to read that? A little bit. To her? Yeah, it absolutely does. That? It is. Okay, so a little bit behind the... I'm going to end this with a little bit of behind the curtain type thing. So mm -hmm. the intro, outro, and stuff like that, when we were getting set up for me to transition and start doing rec the recordings and stuff, uh, Anne was sending me everything, and we were, like, coordinating and, like, figuring this all out. So I am literally reading things that Anne wrote to Anne, and it is a very weird feeling. And the stupid part is, like, I have all that stuff memorized, so yep. as you're saying it, I'm saying it in my head. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but Anne, again, thank you so much. Uh, we love and miss you. We miss you guys too. Thank you for having me on. Yay, episode two hundred. Yay, episode two hundred. <laughs> your your thing made it to two hundred. Yeah, yes. and we're gonna keep it going. Good. Right. But folks, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.